Okay, if you would please turn to the book of Galatians, chapter 5. I'll be reading Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 through 18. Galatians 5, 16 through 18. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit. And the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other in order to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Father, help me unpack this short but profound and important passage. Help our minds see it. Help our hearts, cause our hearts by Your Holy Spirit to flee to it, to love it, and to battle with it in this glorious salvation by which we who are in Christ are being saved. To the glory of His holy Amen. So, question. Christian, do you sense ongoing sinful desires within the very core of your being on a regular basis? And it grieves you because you know that you love the Lord Jesus Christ. And yet, there you go again. Not only the desire, you followed the desire and you sinned. And then you went to 1 John 1.9. If we confess our sins, believers, he, He's faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Do you have that experience? And then the next day, it may be the same temptation, the same sinful desire, or, or a different one. You had victory over. Oh, it was there. And to an extent, it was desirable. But you didn't follow it. But you saw the fruit of the Spirit being born in your life. Is this your experience? Does the Christian life feel like a roller coaster ride? If your answer to that is, yeah, it kind of feels that way to me, then I say, welcome to the party of true and genuine Christianity. And that's Paul's point in this short little passage. So let's get the flow again. Galatians 5. So far as we've been into chapter 5, there have been two main points he has said. The imperative commands to give us. Verse 1, stand in freedom. Flip side, do not submit to religious legalism. Then verse 13 we saw last week. For you're called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through loving others, serve one another. And if you're like I am, at times that feels impossible. And then we come to the third imperative. Paul comes to the rescue of that nagging feeling of impossibility in verse 16. 
And he says, daily, be very about something. Daily, live your life by the Holy Spirit. And then he gives the reason. Because if you do, then you will not be fulfilling those ongoing desires of the flesh. And then verse 17 is there, is this theological foundation or explanation why that is the case of the Christian life. He says, here it is. You've been called to Christ. You're indwelt by the Holy Spirit. And Paul says, therefore, this is what it is to be a Christian. There is a war inside of you between God, the Holy Spirit, mixed with your spirit, influencing you. And there's a war with Him up against your sinful nature, your flesh. And so Paul says, you will not be acting upon those desires within you of the flesh at the same time and in the same moment that you are under the sway and the influence of the Holy Spirit. And that second part of verse 16 is a powerful reason for us to obey the command. Walk by the Holy Spirit. Let's read it again. But I say, walk, do your life, by the Holy Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. A person is pursuing the influence of the Holy Spirit. That is, means, and this is what we're going to try to show this morning, at the core, it means you are trusting the Word of God. You're trusting and being moved by God's unfolding of Himself in redemption and in Christ. And you are being moved by what He promises for all those who love Him. And thus, to be walking by the Holy Spirit is to be convinced by what the Bible tells us about the misery and the shame, and the ultimately, maybe, if you live, if you walk, if you just, it's clear who I love, my flesh, and if that's your pattern of life, it may be the sign that you are excluded from the eternal kingdom of God at verse 21 says and here's the point as you're walking by the Spirit no sane no, no, okay let me no Holy Spiritually sane person wants that and so notice in verse 16 the not fulfilling the desires of the flesh that's not a command here. It's not an imperative mood verb. Don't fulfill the desires of the flesh. The first clause is the command, imperative mood. Walk by the Holy Spirit. The second clause is as you do, here's the result. You will not be fulfilling the desires of the flesh. Now let's not assume now, so that word flesh in his term, the desires of the flesh, he uses that Greek word sarks, for often in Paul, and clearly in this context, it does not mean this, this stuff here wrapped around my bones and ligaments and muscles called skin or flesh. It's not what he means. It doesn't mean your, your physical body. It's not what he means by flesh. He means 
that by me, Joe. He means the I, that part of me, that yes, by definition, we talked about, we all desire happiness, that I that desires to be fulfilled and satisfied, but not by being dependent upon God and trusting His way. That's the flesh. It's the I, it's the you. It's the sinful nature. I. The self-independent I. It's the way we're all born into this world. As children of wrath, following after the dictates and desires of the flesh and of the world. And we were by nature that way. Every human being except Christ. And then, Christian, that means something happened to you. You got born again. And when new birth came, that means the Holy Spirit of God came into you savingly. And when that happened, He delivered the death blow to the flesh. It's there, but something significantly changed. You can, you can see it in verse 24. Listen to what... Paul says, follow his terminology here in Galatians 5. In verse 24, Paul says, And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. When new birth came, you came alive to Christ, and you are identified with His death, He says, Christian, something happened. You used to be only of the flesh. You were totally, even if religious, totally and only controlled. By the flesh. And then you're born again. And that's not necessarily true for you now. You have crucified the flesh. Okay, got that. Now, now remember Paul's language in... Uh, well, it's tied for first. There's two of the greatest verses in all of the Bible. And in Galatians, and in chapter 2, verse 20, that's one of them. So let's read what he says there. Here he says it this way. I, Paul, have been crucified. Wait, wait. chapter 5. And those who are in Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh. Here he says, I, Paul, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live but Christ who lives in me. In the life, I now live in the flesh. Here, meaning this mortal life, the body. I live by faith. Trust in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself up for me. So, the I that has been crucified in Paul's mind here is clearly the flesh that has been Crucified. It's been delivered the death blow by the indwelling Holy Spirit. And so the flesh, by the flesh here, Paul means that part of me that, that feels an emptiness. Yes, constantly that's what we are. It's finite creatures. And not only that, the flesh feels the emptiness and it hates. Getting it filled by God, the Creator. It hates trusting Him and depending on Him. That's, dear Christian, dear, genuinely saved Apostle Paul, that's your predicament down here. Instead, the flesh just prefers the religious legalism. 
of the Judaizers. Or, I don't want to go the religious route. Then it just prefers whatever feels good, do it. Even if it's clearly against what the Holy Spirit has said from Genesis to Revelation about how I am to live. That's the flesh. If you're totally in the flesh, listen to how Paul describes it from Romans 8-7. For the mind that is set on the flesh, it is, meaning by definition, hostile to God. For the flesh, or our minds, where... Now, if you go to Paul's language, there's desires, and that's what, that's what I'm driven by. The flesh does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. So Paul says, Christian, you're in a war. Walk by, live by, be under the influence of the Holy Spirit. And to that extent, you will not be fulfilling the dictates, the desires of the flesh. And then comes verse 17. He explains why that's true. For, here's the explanation of your predicament, if you're a Christian. For, the desires of the flesh are against the desires that the Holy Spirit is to be imparting. And the desires of the Holy Spirit that He is to be imparting, they are against those desires of your flesh. For these are opposed to each other in order to keep you from doing the things you want to do. That's the reality. And that's why verse 16. Therefore, this is what you got to do. You have to walk by the Spirit. You have to mean it. You have to intentionally Get yourself daily in positions of being under the influence of the Holy Spirit or you will be walking according to the flesh. But as you're walking according to the Spirit, you will not be fulfilling the desires of the flesh. The indwelling of the Holy Spirit who raised you from the dead spiritually, made you alive together with Christ. The, everything that He is about is absolutely in war against your sinful desires. And your sinful desires, which you'll carry to the grave, are absolutely in war with God, the Holy Spirit, dwelling within you. And so it's 2.16 on a Tuesday afternoon, and you have competing desires. I want to walk in holiness. I want to be in an influence of spirit. You have that if you're a Christian, it's there. But you also have some opposing desires. I want to let them have a piece of my mind. Feel my anger. To want to forgive them. Okay. On Tuesday at 2.16 in the afternoon, when those desires of the flesh are stronger than the desires of the Holy Spirit, that's what you will do. In fact, you cannot help but do it. Every time. And so, there's a sense in which, then you sin, and Paul says it in Romans 7, and he says it in this text, and then I don't do what I want to do. Well, you really did what you wanted to do. But you also wanted to do that. But at that moment, you wanted to do this more than that, and that's what you did. And therefore, you didn't do 
the holy thing or fall off to the dictates of the Holy Spirit at that moment. And so it's a sense, but I wanted to walk in holiness. Here I am. Or the other way around. The next day at 2.17, same battle, and you did something differently. And the stronger desire was to battle and put that other desire down and you bore the fruit of the Spirit and you did not do what you wanted to do in another sense. I, there's a sense I really wanted to sin that way. I felt it very much and it seemed very delightful to an extent. But the work and the desires of the Spirit overwhelmed it and that's what you did. And that's what he says. Read it again slowly. Verse 17. For the desires of the flesh, they're against the desires of the Spirit. And the desires of the Spirit, they are against the desires of the flesh. For these two, they are opposed. They are in battle. Opposed to each other in order to keep you from doing the things you want to do. So, I'm going I'm to give you some theology here in a minute from this text. Right here it is. Oh, and it's precious. Dear Christian, or John would say how, beloved, oh, beloved, to have sinful desires, sexually lustful desires, all kinds of desires to break God's moral law, to have this private internal battle going on within you is not a bad sign. In fact, if you don't have that battle in you, it's a terrible sign and a terrible thing because that would mean that you are only under the influence of the flesh, which may say you're not actually in Christ or Christ is not actually in you. The sign of true conversion to Jesus is not perfection. And the sign of true conversion of Jesus is not freedom from horrifically unholy desires. That's not the sign of a Christian. But the sign of a Christian is a real, genuine love for the Father which causes believers to therefore be at war daily with their remaining sin nature, awaiting the resurrection. Deliver me from this body of death. Okay, there's the theology. And boy, if that's not practical to you, ask whether you're a Christian or not. But that's not all Paul's doing here. He's not just saying, here's a good piece of theology of sanctification. What he's doing here, his main point is exhortation. He's saying, look, here's my point. I want to exhort you believers to walk in the Spirit and have more and more victories of holiness and growth in your life. That's the point. But I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not be gratifying the desires of the flesh. Come under the intimate influence of God, the Holy Spirit, with real desires for Him, with real intimacy and communion with the Godhead by the Holy Spirit. 
That's the key to victory. Thus His desires becoming ours is what pushes away the desires of the flesh on any given afternoon. That's what He says. And then He makes a very strange comment in verse 18. I mean strange on the surface. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Huh? Okay, just slowly. Context, context, context is king to interpretation. Paul here is repeating what he just said in verse 16 with a twist on the end. In verse 16 he says, But I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Verse 18, But if you're led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. So in this context, desires of the flesh and being under the law to Paul, they're basically the same thing. Verse 16, walk by the Spirit. The reason is because when you do, the flesh at that moment is conquered and you won't gratify what it's saying, do this. Okay? Got that? And then in verse 18, he repeats it. Be led by the Spirit because you won't be under the law. Which means you will not be overcome by the desires of the flesh which will cause you to break the law. That's what I'm convinced he's saying. I'm just, just, just reading Paul in the text. And you see, he's going to lay out all kinds of actions that break the law, right? In the works of the flesh. And we'll come there in the weeks ahead of us. He lays them out. They're all breaking the law. As you give in to them. So, under the law, in verse 18 here, does not mean walk by the Spirit. And what that means, believers are not at all to have to, they don't at all have to obey God's moral law that He sets out in Scripture. They don't have to live according to it. That's not what He means by if you walk by the Spirit, you're not under the law. As a matter of fact, Paul's been very clear, we do have to live by God's moral law. We just saw last week in verses 13, 14. For you are called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Oh, I hope we hear Paul. Let's hear it again. If you want, flip to Romans 8. Paul has a theology, okay? He's got a theology of sanctification. and just He's got it all because Jesus gave it to him for the rest of humanity. And in Romans 8, 3-4, he says, For God has done what the law of Moses could not do. Weakened by the flesh could not do. In other words, we're doomed without a Savior. That's his point, right? Because you start off in verse 1, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Jesus. Okay. 
God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do by sending His own Son, Jesus Christ, in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin offered Him up. He condemned sin in the flesh. Absolutely we don't do any law keeping in order to get reacquainted with God or to get accepted by God or to get justified by God. Paul has been crystal clear in Romans and crystal clear in Galatians. Absolutely. Christ lived the perfect life. That's why God accepts me as righteous. Christ took the penalty for sin. That's why I am forgiven. And then verse 4. Romans 8. He's done this in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fulfilled in us. In us who? Those of us who walk not according to the flesh but according to the Spirit. So Paul means that when we're being led by the Holy Spirit, we're not, clearly, he means this, we're not under the curse of the law, the condemnation of the law. He's made that clear in Galatians, right? Christ redeemed us from the curse, meaning the judgment of the law against us. We're not under the law in any way like that because Jesus took the punishment. That's what he means. And he means, because what the law then, for those who are saved, who have been brought into Christ, what the law requires, love your neighbor as yourself, don't murder them, don't kill, don't steal for them, don't lie, don't bear false witness, don't slander, don't commit fornication and adultery. What the law requires, he says, the Spirit is producing in us. He's doing it through us. Summed up as, love your neighbor as you love yourself. So for Paul, his theology is that if you have been brought to new life in Christ by the Spirit, the law which you're free from its condemnation, you're in Christ and you're secured, and therefore God's moral dictates in law are not some oppressive burden to you. Because God, the lawgiver, lives in you. It's like, and I want you, let me point out, notice first verse 16, walk by the Spirit. And then verse 18, he puts it in the passive. If you're, if you're being led by. Absolutely. It's like, if you don't have the Spirit, the law is a horrific burden. Don't do this and don't do that. What are you talking about? Because I'm only flesh. I want to get filled. I think that would make me happy right now. I want to do that and you say don't. And then God comes in and He says, I'm all that you need. I dwell within you. And the same thing. Don't commit fornication. Don't steal. Don't be so hard-hearted toward that person. Forgive them. And the Holy Spirit is leading you. It's like He's just pulling you along on snow and you're in a sled. And there is no burden. Without Him, it's like you're, you're going uphill, walking in the snow. And just... But I want Apostle John, please come in here and help me. I'm not doing so good for these people. So he's going to come in, and this is what he wants to say. I agree with Paul. For everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ, by definition, they have been born again. They've been born of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves anybody else who's been born of Him. By this evidence, we know that we love the children of God. How? 
when we love God and obey His commandments. For this is the love of God, that we obey His commandments. Or this is what it means to love God, that we obey His commandments. And His commandments are not burdensome. Because everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world. Our faith. You see it? He said, if you're born of God, that's why you have saving faith. And it's overcome the world. And its commandments aren't burdensome to you. Because the way Paul puts it is, the only thing that matters about your true, eternal, and everlasting happiness, to actually have it, the only thing that matters is faith, which works itself out in love, which is obeying God's commandments to love others. And so, if you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law, The point Paul's making is how can you be under the burden of the law when the Holy Spirit who dwells within you is leading you and causing you to do and bear the very things that the law commands like fruit on a tree. And so he will go to the fruit of the Spirit. This is clearly what Paul means in this context because after Listing and the fruit that the Holy Spirit is working in and through us is love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and self-control. He says this line, against such things like that, there is no law. Oh, you, which means the list before. You live in your life by the flesh adultery and fornication and homosexuality and, and sensuousness and, uh, and uh, envy and divisions and hatred. Okay. You live in that way? Guess what? There's all kinds of biblical laws against that. You walk by the Spirit, there's no law against living that way. That's what He means. You're not under the oppression of the law when you're being Pulled across the snow while you sit down in a sled being led by the Spirit. So, Paul has given us (coughs) a battle plan (coughs) to have victory over the... (coughs) Excuse me. Over the desires of our flesh. And here is his practical take home. Walk by the Spirit. That's how you do it. I'm going to be a little bit more gracious at the moment then. And say, okay. But how? (laughs) What do I do? Every day, practically, what do I do to obey? Be led by the Spirit. When I wake up until I go to bed at night, um, am I as a Christian to be about anything? Good question. And the answer, well, a couple. Point number one is this. The essence of what it is in the context of Galatians and then of the New Testament, to be being under the influence and led by the Holy Spirit is that you are trusting the Scripture. You are trusting His self-revelation. You are, you are trusting the truth of the warnings and you are trusting the glorious promises that Jesus Christ purchased. That's called faith. You're walking by faith. 
That's what you do. So I want you to see this. Turn to chapter 3 of Galatians for a second. Chapter 3, verses 2 and 3, Paul writes, and I want you to think about this. And think about your own life too. Your own life, if you know a time when you were particularly converted. Sometimes some people were converted at 5 and they don't know it. Some of them might be you in here. You don't know it, but you know you love Jesus. And he says, Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by the hearing with faith? That's the answer. It was by your hearing the promises, the Gospel, God's Word by faith. Uh, by faith, by heart, that said, I see it, I want it. That's one and the same with, that's how you have the Holy Spirit. That is the Spirit. In you. And so he says, are you so foolish, having begun the Christian life by the Holy Spirit, are you now trying to be perfected by the flesh? The point is, No! The same way you came to Christ initially is the way you are to live. By faith. By the Spirit. By the Spirit or by faith? Yes. In other words, stay in the Spirit. That's how you began the Christian life and you don't get off that path. You walk by the Spirit. So, so, Okay, what does it look like? What is it? What is it? Okay, let's get real practical. Deep down in the recesses of my heart, if I'm a genuine believer, okay, what is the dynamic happening there? All right, let's ask Jesus. Okay, Jesus, what is this? Okay, because Paul goes back. This is go back to the beginning of your Christianity when your life was changed. What happened? Paul says it this way: the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure. Hidden in a field. Who knows how long it's been there. And then, a man walking across that field one day found the treasure. He didn't own the field. He covers it up. And then, quote, in his joy, he goes away. He goes home. And he sells everything he owns. And he buys the field. If you're a Christian, that's what happened to you. It's conversion. That's what happened in your heart. It happened in your affections when you heard the Gospel with ears to hear. You, you heard the glorious promises of everlasting, eternal life in Jesus freely given. You heard that as the treasure of treasures. Because the Holy Spirit indwelt you. Gave you ears to hear. And that's why your faith of recognizing the treasure and saying, what do I have to get it? And you did it. In other words, the Gospel made you so happy when you realize, this is, this is true. My, my parents' religion is my life. It happened to you. And in joy, you turn from your former manner of life to the saving grace that's in Jesus Christ because of what is promised, laid up for you in heaven. That's what happened to you. Okay, back to ten. What do I do today though? I'm 39 years in. Do that. 
Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law, some other principle, or by the hearing and hearing and hearing with faith? Continue to pursue your fulfillment, your joy, vacuum today and tomorrow to find it in the treasure of who Christ is to you. How? In your hearing of Scripture. That's the way. That's my practical first point. What I just said there, the last five minutes, that's just another way, in other words, to say what Paul has already said in verse 5 of Galatians 5. When he defined, this is the Christian life from new birth to death. It looks like this. For we, through the Spirit, by faith, we ourselves are eagerly waiting. Picture the man with the treasure going home. How much will you give me for this and that? I'm going to spend my time now making sure i got enough to have that treasure through the Spirit, by faith, we are eagerly waiting for the future. For the hope of righteousness. The hope of the second coming. With the consummation of the kingdom. And then the declaration of what every Christian is to know is true about them now will be publicly true. Justified. Jesus steps in and says, Judge mine. Acquitted. The hope of righteousness. So what do Christians do to follow the Spirit, to be led by the Spirit? We saturate ourselves with the promises of God. Because those are the only things, that is God's Word, is the only thing that is the object of faith. We walk by faith. Putting before us God's Word constantly. And so if you find yourself walking by the Holy Spirit, you are walking in trusting God's commandments, His promises. And if you are walking in faith, trusting God's commandments and promises, it is only because of the work of the Holy Spirit within you. So what do I do? We wake up every day. And more than getting a paycheck. Having food to feed your children. You feed your faith. The Word of God. You received the Holy Spirit by the hearing with faith. We're so much more fortunate. You understand why hearing is so constantly used in the New Testament? That it was too expensive to have their own Bibles. To be together and read to one another and have public readings, etc., and memorize Scripture. We have Bibles to take home and really cheap. And you feed your faith. As Paul said in Romans 10, faith. Comes. The faith you need tomorrow won't be there if you don't feed it. Because faith cometh, and it comes, and it comes by hearing, and hearing, and hearing by the Word of God, the Word of Christ. That's what produces the fruit of the Spirit, which is to be walking by the Spirit. It is feeding your faith with the Word of God that produces not fulfilling the desires of the flesh. So, practically feed your faith the Word of God.
point one. Point two. How do you walk by the Spirit? You don't just read the Bible. You don't just come to church. You don't just listen to sermons. You don't just do all the biblical spiritual disciplines. But you are to intentionally practice the presence of God. For He does dwell in you. What I'm meaning, let me just see if I can get it over this way. Picture yourself as a blind person. Totally blind. All the other senses are really heightened. You're in a room all by yourself. If you itch, no matter where, no problem, you scratch it. And then another person walks into the room. Something within your consciousness is changed. You're aware. You don't scratch where it itches. You begin to talk to them. You're conscious of another presence. Your conduct is different. The words you choose may be different. So, point one, feed your soul the Word of God. Be in church. Listen to sermons. Put them in your ears if you can. But you can do all of that as a blind person who's alone in a room. Or you could do it with God practicing the conscious presence of the Holy Spirit. In other words, what I'm trying to say is this. Seek in all of these. Seek to be affected Seek to be overcome by the presence of God. Pray and focus your prayer and your reading with your mind, thinking about the words that God put there through His servants. Fill me. Don't let me merely use my intellect, but let my intellect mix with my heart. Father, You're here, O Holy Spirit, in my presence now. Don't let me resist You because this is convicting me. Come. Here's one way to practice it. Go in there with hatred. You know your heart's hard in sin toward that person. Or towards God. And you say, God, I'm hard hard. I hate this. I don't want this. And you, you, you open up Scripture and you read and then you pray again. God, soften my heart. Pray and read. And read Scripture prayerfully until you don't want to stop reading. You're probably deeply under the influence of the Holy Spirit. Use the means of grace. Singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Making melody in your heart to the Lord with the Word of God. You know yesterday was hard. We started the sermon this way. You know, you were so familiar with our flesh. Okay, good sign. And you hate it, and you're at war, and you're going to have another battle today of homeschooling in the office, personal, sexual thoughts. And you go to the Father. You say, 
Father. You wrote by Your Spirit in Psalm 119. It's right here, Father, and you're right here. You're the blind person. That person's with you. You're here, Father, and me. Deal bountifully with me, Joe, your servant, that I may live this day and keep your word. And so what I need is, is, is what you say right here. Open my eyes. I mean, I can think. I know how to read words. I, I, I think I have pretty good hermeneutics and ability to think through text. But God, open the eyes of my heart that I may actually see what I'm supposed to see. Which means how beautiful Your Word is here this day in Genesis or Romans. Oh, that I may see that I don't want to leave Your presence even though... In order to obey you, I have to because I have an appointment. i got to punch a card at work. And then you go. Trust Him. Oh, that's what I got. Go do that. Final thing, though, to say. All that I said there were those two points. Is that what I think is, Paul has summed that up in Galatians 2.20. This way. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me in the life I now live this day in the flesh. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself up for me. How, Paul? Who's the Christ who lives in you? Well, he says in chapter 4, And because you are sons, He has sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So the question is, how does the Son live in Paul? Live in us. How does the Son living in us show Himself? How does Paul walk by the Son? Day by day, he says it this way. The life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith. He doesn't mean, live by faith. That's not what faith means. My reason is cut off, so I guess we live by faith that this is not what it means. It means, do you see what God has said? I trust it over everything my flesh is saying. The life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God. Therefore, practical application, go. Walk by the Spirit, which is to be Walking by faith. This passage is a call for us to stop trying to fill our emptiness with the world. The things in the world. But it's a call instead to daily, purposefully, intentionally, and planned out Position ourselves, position our minds and our hearts to rest in God and His promises. So meditate on, believe, saturate yourselves with the Word of God, your intellect and your emotions, your thoughts and your desires. And to the extent you or I do in any given ten minute periods of our day is to the extent we will not be gratifying the desires of the flesh. Father, You are good. You are great. You are merciful. You are gracious. We thank You for sending Your Son to do what the law 
because of our sinful nature, we can by our flesh could not do. You sent Him through a virgin. And He grew up. And He perfectly lived before you. And it is in His righteousness, in His human perfection alone that we trust that we are righteous before you. But down the road here some 2,000 years later, we have found ourselves having been snatched out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of your beloved, dear, precious Son. For you have sent the very Spirit of your Son into our hearts by the person of the Holy Spirit. And thus we cry, Abba, Father, help me, help us, your sheep, walk by the Spirit in trusting your Holy Word and overflowing, therefore, with precious, delicious fruit that points to Christ this week.